0: I uh, hear today. Uh, so the last couple times I've been talking, uh, I've been sharing about uh, missional community. And uh, when we're talking about missional community, we're talking about uh, reaching people in third places. And so for us, third places is just places outside this building, uh, places that you're already going. It could be coffee shops, bars, football games, uh, your kids' sports. Wherever you go, Wherever you're at in community, that can be a third place. That can be a place uh, that you can reach people. And what we're asking people to do is just have you ask God, how can I be more intentional in what I'm already doing? And uh, one of the things that uh, I've been saying along with that is that along with missional community, we don't want to ask you to do a bunch of additional stuff. But we're finding out with our group, if I'm just being really honest with you guys, it seems like a lot of us are adding uh, stuff to our schedule. And so I wanted to kind of address that and say, I think what we're really trying to say is that instead of us as a whole body, us as a church, you know, putting a bunch of outreaches on the schedule, we want to help you to really learn to hear more from God about where you can be more intentional. And so I think in the beginning, uh, when we're trying to be uh, more intentional, it is going to look like more, because sometimes we're wanting to just say, yes, I'll do this here, yes, I'll do that here. But I think one of the other things that I want to remind us of, and I give you guys uh, permission uh, to do when you're trying to be more missional, and when you're trying to be uh, more intentional, is to listen to God about what things you need to stop doing because there's some of us we've really had to say you know what uh, this is just too much. Like uh, I've been talking to you guys uh, about Lift Club, and we've kind of even realized that you know Lift Club for us is a group of guys we get together, we lift weights, we talk. But for one of our couples, it just became too much because all of a sudden they were having dinners with their neighbors and all kinds of people. And that additional thing, which was a good thing, but we kind of realized, you know what, this is just, uh, it's not uh, wrong for us to just have community with other believers. That's good because it strengthens us, but it wasn't really being as missional as we thought it was. So we said, they said to us, this is just too much for us, and so we kind of pulled it off the shelf. Uh, all the guys are still lifting, uh, they're still uh, getting together every once in a while. But we just have to realize along the process, uh, there are going to be things that that we need to allow God to let us say no to. So, uh, the scripture uh, that we've been uh, looking at uh, while we're looking at a missional community is either uh, Luke 10, 27, or Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 39. And it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, the great thing is, is these last four teachings that I've been using, I've been using the same text uh, just to drive that home. That we want to do this out of first our relationship with God, and then out of that relationship with God, that abundance that we have in our heart. We want to love other people in our community. And as we love other people, that can be having conversations with them, talking with them, eventually sharing our story with them, telling them who we are. That's some of the other stuff. Uh, We talked about uh, how to share our story in third places. We also have been talking about that as we're doing missional community, uh, reaching people looks a lot slower because we're not going out and uh, giving someone a piece of paper having them fill out the questionnaire, and then we look at their questionnaire and we go, Oh, you know what? It looks like you're ripe for the kingdom. Let me share with you the gospel. Now that works, and it has worked, but that's just not the approach uh, that we're uh, taking uh, here at the Vineyard. So today I want to continue with this missional theme, and I want to look at uh, who God uses when we're uh, living missionally. And I want to look at uh, that I think throughout the Bible we really see that God uses the unqualified and the least likely people. So, um, one of the things that I think as we begin to look at this, we have to realize what is our mindset. A lot of times we're always thinking about uh, qualifications, we're always thinking about uh, people's credentials, we're thinking about the status that we have. Uh, in community. Anything that we involve ourselves in, you know, we're thinking about who is this person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we normally start out uh, some of our conversations once we get to know uh, people and we say stuff to them like, uh, what's your degree in? What school did you go to? Where do you live? You know, uh, we start to judge people off of their schooling, where they live. Uh, we start to ask people about their jobs and their titles because we are a people that care about uh, jobs and titles. Um, All of us, you know, myself included, I think we all desire a title. Uh, One of my favorite shows, I think, does a great job of uh, making fun of this. I love The Office, and a lot of people think it's funny because I don't really work in an office. I have an office over here, but I don't go to it much. I prefer... Uh, the coffee shop. So some people are like, why is this humor so funny to you? But this show just constantly makes me laugh. I watch it almost every day. You know, to me, it's like, if I want to relax, I turn on The Office, and I'm just cracking up. I've heard the same joke a hundred times, and anything Kevin does, some of the characters, I lose it. But anyways, there's this guy named uh, Dwight. And Dwight has this title, That is a totally made-up title. And I I forgot to bring my name badge in because I actually have it. I did it here too. But uh, his title is Assistant to the Regional Manager. Now, it means nothing. Michael will always constantly tell him it's void of the pomp and frill. You know, it doesn't really have any real meaning. But Dwight loves that he has the title Assistant uh, to the Regional Manager. So I think they do a good job really showing us that we, uh, a lot of times we look at titles. But today we want to see that Jesus normally uh, looked past the title. Um, so in our search for uh, knowledge and position, uh, I think because we're title-minded, a lot of, our, a lot of us uh, see ourselves unfit uh, for the work of the kingdom uh, we don't feel like we stack up. We don't feel like we have the qualification uh, to do the job that, you know, that we think the professionals in the church do because, you know, maybe I have the title pastor. You know, we we think about that a lot. Um, let's see. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm getting to a place and I'm, I'm getting a little confused here, a little ahead of myself. But so in our search uh, for knowledge and position, uh, we we, we just find ourselves unfit. Uh, But in the Bible, Jesus constantly uh, used people that didn't have uh, qualifications or that uh, weren't of great character. Uh, We see that uh, Abraham and Isaac, uh, there was a lot of lying and deception. Uh, There were people that deal with anger. I know for myself, I've dealt with with anger, And uh, we see that in James and John, but God still decided to use them. And so what I want us to think about is that as we look at the church and as we look at the work of the kingdom, that Jesus isn't so concerned about whether we have the title of pastor, prophet, super-Christians. He's not concerned if we're theologians. He's not so concerned about... Uh, how much knowledge we have of the Bible. All those things are good, but it's so far from the truth, and it's so far from what God chooses to use. Uh, There's an author, and uh, I'll probably mess up his name, but his name is uh, Kyle uh, Eidelman, and uh, he's uh, he's written quite a few books. And one of the things that he says is that uh, Christians avoid active roles in ministry because they feel unqualified. However, Eidelman argues that God doesn't need us to be qualified. He needs us to be willing. And willingness is the key. So in the vineyard, we have this saying that says everyone gets to play. Right? If you've been in the vineyard for a while, you've heard everyone gets to play. But I think even as much as we stress that we still have people and even myself sometimes I wrestle with do I have the right qualifications to be used by God you know even though he's already used me to do a lot of stuff I still I'll still get caught up in the title I still get caught up in do I have uh, what it takes so we need to apply this as we've been talking about missional community. As we're going out into the community, and as we're allowing ourselves to be used by God uh, to reach people, I think we need to quit saying to ourselves, is this person going to be the right person? Is this person the right person to come into uh, our church? Will they fit here? Will they be involved in this? Because when we're talking about missional community, we're not just looking to put Uh, people in the seats here. We're looking to to bring people into the kingdom, which is the whole church. This is just uh, one building, right? And so we want to look for people uh, to be involved all all throughout. Um, So I think we really need to be uh, careful there uh, because we don't want to be like the Pharisees where we think we're better than other people. Uh, some examples that we see of this uh, through Scripture is uh, that God constantly uh, would choose the most unlikely people. We see uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The Pharisee was saying, Lord, I do this, I, I do that, I pray, I, you know, I keep all these different uh, laws, I do all this stuff. But Jesus went to the tax collector and had a meal with a tax collector, right? He went to the, the people that we sometimes will think aren't the right people. Uh, the disciples, uh, we, we know that uh, they were some of the most uneducated uh, people in a sense. They were great at their craft, but they weren't necessarily educated. And we know that as we uh, look at the disciples, uh, that you're probably not going to see a book written about the, dis- the disciples Uh, that talk about how to build an effective team, right? You know, you're just, you're not going to see that. Uh, God used Moses. Uh, Moses was a shy person. He was fearful. He was afraid to speak. Uh, God used and chose Mary. Uh, She was a a young woman with little um, experience. And so, uh, God loves to use unqualified people. And... So, this is, uh, I'm going to show this video uh, here in a, a moment, and I wasn't going to show it because I was afraid I was going to uh, get like this, but I decided uh, to, to show it uh, anyways. A couple weeks ago, uh, one of my very good friends uh, uh, passed away, and his name's uh, Jason Hotary. And I think uh, the story that you're going to see in this video shows that God really does uh, choose uh, the most unlikely uh, people. Uh, Jason is a Maori uh, from uh, New Zealand, which even in New Zealand, it's a very uh, small uh, number of people. The about New Zealand's about 4.5 million uh, people. Uh, you'll hear in his story just uh, how he came to know uh, God, and then I'll share a little bit about that. Afterwards, but uh, Jason uh, has really touched a lot of people, and I'll share that with you in a moment. So go ahead and uh, roll that video. Okay, so I've heard his testimony like a thousand times. So we can just go ahead and stop that if it's not going to work. So let me try and gather myself here for a moment. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. So. Uh, Jason, like I said, he um, was a Maori kid uh, from New Zealand, and uh, he grew up in a very, um, very poor family. It'd be much like, uh, you know, the Native Americans here where they're, they've been pushed off their land, a lot of their rights have been taken away. Uh, they live with inside uh, Auckland, which is the largest city uh, in New Zealand but they were very poor. Uh, his dad was very abusive. Uh, he was a raging alcoholic. Uh, he would go to work and then he would come home and uh, he'd really hit the bottle. He'd go out to the bars. He'd come home. Um, Jason always tells his story. And if if you ever saw Jason uh, like next to me, if anyone thinks that I'm a big guy, <laughs> I'm just a little guy. He was this really uh, strong guy, uh, bigger than life, but he always described himself as a small, a very small person. Uh, he had a four, bro- I'm sorry, uh, two brothers, a sister, but he also had these other cousins that lived with him that were essentially uh, his brothers. But he always saw himself as a little person. Uh, Throughout his uh, growing up, uh, he came to this point in his life, like you started to hear him say there that uh, he was so mad one night that he had considered taking this knife, and then he always says a Rambo knife, um, that he was going to, you know, want to hurt his father because of all the hurt and pain uh, that he caused his family. Well, that didn't happen that night, and uh, this the bullying continued. Uh, to go on and on, so as Jason uh, went to school, he did what he learned, he began to start bullying all the people at school, he would, uh, you know, when kids would see him, uh, other, they would run down the hallway because they didn't want to, you know, get a hiding, you know, because uh, the way that he learned, the way that he thought you loved people was essentially you bash on them, Right? And uh, so he had learned all this, but he came to this place in his life where uh, he says, I met this little uh, Pakeha girl. And Pakeha in New Zealand is white person. And uh, so he met this, uh, if you're in Australia, it's Sheila. But uh, so he meets this little girl, and uh, she says to him the words that he's always been wanting to hear. I love you. And so he went out and he tells this story. He went out with this girl for five years. And then the relationship ended. And so no longer was he feeling this love from this girl. And he decided that he was going to take his life. So he was sitting in his room. He went and uh, grabbed this knife. And he was holding this knife to his chest. And he was ready uh, to commit suicide. Now, New Zealand... For the population of the nation has the largest suicide rate uh, per cap, you know, per uh, the amount of people that it has. So it's, you know, this is something that happens a lot uh, in New Zealand. It happens around the world as well. well. As Jason was sitting there, he said, "Lord, if you're real, I need you to show yourself to me." So what happens? His friend calls his best friend. At that time, calls, and his mom answers the phone, and his mom uh, comes to the door and knocks on the door and says, "Jason, your best friend is on the door." And he said, "Okay." And he goes to the phone, and uh, Jason says, "What's up, bro?" Or he says, "Kia ora, bro." You kind of heard that in the beginning. He was doing, uh, he was speaking Maori, and that's just an introduction uh, to pay respect to the Uh, because this video showed a lot in New Zealand. It was saying where he's from, who he is, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, he greets this guy, and uh, his buddy says to him, the Lord woke me up and told me to give you a call right away. And he says, what are you up to? And Jason says, I was just about to take my life. And so the guy rushes over there, and he prays with them. And on that day, Jason received Christ into his life, okay? And so how this ties in to the most, you know, being the most unlikely and, um, you know, is that Jason was this little boy from a small nation that God used to take around the world, and this is the guy that I got to travel with all over Brazil and New Zealand, all over Europe, all over the States and we got to share the gospel together. But the reason why I wanted to share his story was because of the chain of events. And I think that as we're reaching out to people, most people would have looked at Jason and said, you know what, he's just a thug. He's just cruel, he's just mean, but people didn't know his story. They didn't know that he was probably living in an abusive home. They didn't know that he was you know, living with an alcoholic, you know. And so as we go out looking for people to share with, I want to encourage you, don't go with a list. Don't go with, this is the type of person I'm willing to reach. This is the type of person that I'm willing to sit down and have a meal with. Because you never know who you might be having a meal with. You never know what their story will be, and you never know what the change is that they may make in the kingdom. You know, if Jason wouldn't have been saved that night, become a Christian, now, God can do anything, but this is what I think of when I think of this story. If Jason wouldn't have become a Christian, if this friend wouldn't have called and saved his life, if he wouldn't have been invited to come and join Team Extreme and show up in Montana one day in 1997, and I hadn't run into the people that I had, I wouldn't have met my best friend. But I met my best friend in New Zealand. I mean, I met my best friend in Montana. And then we traveled the U.S. together. And I don't think, when I think of this story, that I even knew where New Zealand was. You know, if I'm honest, I don't think I remember knowing where New Zealand was. But then after we traveled around doing this mission, and Youth with a Mission, there's a thing called Discipleship Training School. I decided that I was going to go and do my DTS in New Zealand. Well, when I get to New Zealand and I get out of uh, the, the plane and get off the plane, Jason meets me, blah, blah, blah. A week later, we go to our DTS. Well, that day when we showed up to do our DTS, which was... In the far north of New Zealand, on a, in a, a little farm town, I get out of the van and I meet, wi- I meet my wife, Melanie, for the first time. If I hadn't met Jason, if we didn't travel together, if I didn't go to New, New Zealand, who knows if I would have met my wife, you know? Um, you know, I had lots of options, but no. <laughs> but <laughs> no. She's not in here. And I doubt she'll listen to the tape. But, no, so there's just all these chains of events that I think we need to think about. That, you know, I got to travel, we got to travel together proclaiming the gospel. And the cool thing about that is, you know, God really used this guy... To do unique things. But as I think of this story, one of the things that I think is the greatest part about it is that um, we would travel all over doing these stadium events, and crowds of people would come. We'd, we'd speak in front of 100 people one night, and the next night we'd speak in front of 30,000, 15,000. We'd go to India and speak in front of 70,000 people. We'd go all over doing this stuff. We traveled New Zealand and all these different places, and we'd be on TV and radio and all this stuff, and people were uh, coming to know Jesus left and right. And it wasn't because of the work that me and Jason did. We just showed up in the right place. But it was, you know, people were praying, and people went before us and did all kinds of stuff. But the thing that's really, I think, the most impact. About this story, is two weeks ago when he passed away, his funeral in, in, a, in New Zealand, a Maori funeral lasts for like four days. But people came from this little guy, well, he wasn't a little guy, but people came from this Maori guy, this indigenous guy from New Zealand, came from every nation to his funeral. People came from all over New Zealand. They talked about him as one of the great Maori evangelists of his time and all this stuff. But none of that to me is what really made the difference. What made the difference is that when I was looking at the Facebook posts, I think of this little girl in Lancaster, Ohio that was ready to take her life. And we stayed at their home Uh, We stayed at their home. We would stay in host homes. And Jason was just like, if I'm friendly, Jason was double that. He was just like, he could just be, he, he would be hugging everyone as you walk in the door. He was just a loving person. Well, he got talking to this girl and realized where she was at. And he would do this everywhere that we went. So it wasn't the stages It wasn't the big arenas, but it was all the people that got on Facebook or different places and said, You know what? This guy changed my life. And he truly did because he was willing. And each of us, we need to be willing to allow God to use us. It doesn't matter about whether or not we have the credential. It doesn't matter how much we know but it matters who we know. And when we know Christ and we're willing, that's all He needs. And He can change our community. He can change our neighborhood. He can change the nation. With just a few unlikely people, we can do great things in this community. So I just want to encourage all of us as we, as we think about what is my part in missional community be thinking that If you're willing, something good will happen. And uh, so the application that I want to leave you guys with, and I might have uh, missed this in the beginning because I was, you know, uh, until the, I guess, anointing, if you want to say, falls, I was really stumbling there in the beginning because the first time I watched this video, I was crying like a baby. I couldn't. I, I, it's still not real to me that, you know, that one of my best friends, one of the guys that um, I got the opportunity to see the world with, you know, pass away. Also, I was with him when he met his wife in Brazil. So, I mean, we, all of us met our wives all over the world. It's, it's crazy. But, so the application that I want to leave you guys with is, if you're not feeling like you're willing to be involved in missional community. Before you leave today or when you get home, wherever you have uh, time to reflect, would you ask God what is holding you back? And that's the part I just realized I skipped. One of the other things besides us being willing is a lot of times we're not willing to do the work of the kingdom because of sin in our life. You know, because we feel ashamed of you know, our lust, we feel ashamed of our anger, we feel ashamed of our our pain, our hurt. And so as we think about this willingness, would you allow God to show you, are you maybe not willing because you feel like you have sin that's a blocker? You know, that's not a blocker. We know God will speak through an ass and he'll use you as well, right? You know, I mean, he uses me all the time. So is there something holding you back, like sin? Is there uh, pain that's holding you back? Would you ask God to show you why you're not willing? And if you're willing, I want to encourage you, keep your eyes open. Be ready for the opportunities that will come to you. Um, And then when those opportunities come, be willing to walk through that door. Because it, it doesn't get any easier, you know, it's, sometimes it's really hard to do the things that God is asking us to do because we feel unprepared. We feel uncomfortable. You know, I still, you know, I still get uncomfortable, you know, doing this or, or speaking what God is asking me to speak. Um, and if you're willing as well, I just pray that each of you would keep your eyes open to the unlikely and the unqualified. There's not a perfect evangelist out there. There's not a perfect teacher out there. There's not a perfect uh, you know, person in the kingdom because we're all saved by His grace. We're all uh, made in His image, right? And it's through His image that shines out of us that we are a light. To the world. And so um, we'll just close with that. And uh, so, Lord, I just thank you uh, for today. And uh, I just pray, God, that you would just uh, show each of us uh, what is holding us back, what's keeping us from uh, being willing to do uh, your work, God. And I also pray that this week, today, as we leave this place, God, would you show us. The unlikely, would you show us the unqualified? Would you help us not uh, to judge the people around us and and uh, think we know whether they're ready or not? Because you can take um, the most unlikely and do the greatest things through them. And so I just pray that that your power, that your strength, that your anointing would fall on each of us, and that you would use us to do. Uh, mighty works in the kingdom. And God, I I also pray, help us not to judge the things that you ask of us because you'll ask different things from each of us. I pray that we wouldn't uh, compare ourselves because it's all your work and we're doing it all for your glory, God. No matter whether it's on a big stage or in a small restaurant, sharing your love with people. And I just thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.